from Los Angeles, California on the MTV Podcast Network. This is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Our guest today in the studio, TV legend John Levenstein. How's that? I love it. You'll take it. And as always, rocking the velvet Winston Churchill union suit, Molly Lambert. Very comfortable and fashionable. Our guest today, John Levenstein, a writer and producer uh, known for his work on shows like Arrested Development. And Kroll Show, which I am number one super fan of, which has now been spun off into the hit Broadway play, Oh Hello, uh, starring the characters of Gil Faison and George St. Giegland, played by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, who are just two of the characters on Kroll Show, which is a series of interlocking reality shows starring Nick Kroll and a cast of thousands. It sure is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Mostly, though, we're going to talk about Poldark and Westworld, because that's the kind of show this is. Hey, everybody. How's how's life? Life is good. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. This is the best thing that's happened all in all of time, maybe? I think that's, yeah, I don't think that's an overstatement <laughs> uh, in any way. I love taking it off the internet and into reality. I know. We communicate on Twitter about a lot of TV shows, so there's a lot of TV to cover. What's top of your mind? Top of my mind is all these documentaries about the Russian Empire I've been watching. We've all been really into empires, I guess, right now. You're just diving into, like, Soviet history. But, like, explain yeah. why. Well, like, are you not really Soviet history? You're, like, looking at the revolution. You're looking at that turning looking point. Looking at the, the monarchy and then the revolution. There's a, a documentary, a British documentary, called Empire of the Czars. What channel Netflix. is it? It's on channel Netflix. Is that the one where, was there a, someone who made a law as soon as he was king that a woman couldn't be the monarch yes. again? Is that, that was, part of this documentary yes. series? That was Catherine the Great's son. As soon as Catherine the Great died, made a law the next day that a woman could never be ruler of Russia ever again because she was too good at it. Oh, my God. She was actually pretty good at it. I didn't realize. I mean, I mostly knew that she was rumored to have had sex with a horse, which we'll get to later in Westworld. But she did not. That was a rumor. But she did have many lovers. And uh, she did some good stuff. But who cares so much about what happens in a hundred years? A woman will never be monarch again. Never. You're going to be dead. Like, what difference does it make to you? Just, you know, make sure. Well, I mean, lucky lucky for them, nobody would ever be monarch again. So. Who was responsible for spreading the horse rumor? Was that also uh, her that son? That was her enemies. Okay. That was just people who didn't like her, who just, thought she had, she had brought too much too much craziness because she was really into she was like the smartest woman in russia she was like the only educated woman well not in russia she was polish and she married the heir to the russian throne and then uh had him killed and took over i feel like there's a theme of like good monarchs and good noble people on tv right now why like in the crown they're all lovely are they? Yeah, Elizabeth does a great job taking over for her beloved father. The only one who's sort of like a cad is the Duke of Windsor who gave up on being the king and just watches TV cattily now. So it's like the kings and queens are doing great jobs. On Poldark, the hero, this nobleman taking care of the miners. Would you like to tell us about Poldark? Yeah, because can you actually back up I for know those nothing. of us? I don't think people care about Poldark. I'll just say that... <laughs> 
every once in a while, my mother will recommend something, be it a book or a movie or a TV show that's addictive, but not necessarily good. I might put Poldark in that category. He's come back to Cornwall from the American Revolution. He was a British soldier. He's taking over the family mine. All these miners are dependent on him. He hates injustice. He's a good nobleman. He wants to give his money back to these people. He wants to work with them. And yet my mother, I believe, is watching it because, as she said to me yesterday, Poldark is the best looking man she's ever seen in his in her life. And he'll wear these blouses that get ripped off when he goes into the mine to Oh my my mother is watching these sweaty miners. Does she watch Outlander? I don't think so. Because Outlander is a lot of blouses getting ripped off. Yeah, that's like the trash Poldark, I feel like. That's like the, the lowbrow Poldark. Yeah. Um, so it's Poldark is one guy, so it's like MacGyver. It's like there is no... There's yeah, a- yeah, Poldark is a guy. He, he's the guy who like... And the stories, sometimes they're personal, but really his biggest story is he hates the plight of the miner. <laughs> like in any situation that it, it, you would tell the actor, okay, your number one motivation is you just think it's terrible how miners are treated even though you're a nobleman. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's great that it feels that way, but the fact it rules every Does scene. Does he go like, undercover as a miner at any point? He doesn't have to. With the mine that he owns, he's always down there with the guys. Who was like, this will be a great show? A guy who owns a mine? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a rich guy. It's like a rich guy romanticizing himself in a way. Oh, and then also in this show, aside from the bodice ripping aspect, and the guys are always ripping off their blouses to go mining. <laughs> the other noblemen, it's, they're peacocking all around. They have these beautiful outfits. Because the, uh, the other part of the story is the revolution is happening in France, and they're afraid it's going to happen in England, too. Where's Poldark? Cornwall. Oh, yeah. Cornwall. So it's the beautiful coast. And uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, controversy about shipping and free trade because the British want to tax everything. And Poldark has some cove. And is he going to let the people come in with their rum or whatever that, where it's not taxed, but Poldark could go to jail? Poldark is always being tried for various things <laughs> and giving these indignant speeches and inexplicably getting off as everyone else is hung. Oh, great. Um, and then mining. And then mining, but the mines are failing. Oh, so does it have a downer ending or you don't know yet? I'm two years in and <laughs> <laughs> there's always downers. There's like just when you thought everyone was going to be happy, something big is happening. The, the big cliffhanger at the end of season two. Okay. Poldark spoiler. So you guys walk away for 10 seconds if you care about this. The big cliffhanger at the end of season two is a woman adding months and realizing the father of her baby she's about to have might not be who, th- who she thought it was. Like, she never considered it before. And someone's like, well, the baby may come a little earlier than that. And she, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what I mean. And she starts thinking, oh, oh, I fucked that other man a month before my husband. If the baby came a month earlier, it could be the other man. So I had never considered it. Does anybody fuck in the mine? I don't think so. It's mainly the kinship of the fellas in the mine. There's no, there's no homosexuality in Poldark so well, far. Well, come on. In the mines, all well, those Well, in real hours. life, sure. But just in the show, it hasn't happened yet. Is anybody like, are any of these nobles on these shows like incredibly racist? As I would assume they might Even be in Pol- real life. It's not just racist. They're classist. Right. There's no other race happening in Poldark. It's just these commoners. And even Poldark, the good guy, He's like, occasionally threatens to thrash the peasants who live on his <laughs> land. They're big hero. I'll thrash you. That's that's his big 
his big uh, threat is to thrash. What is thrashing? Uh, it's like whipping, right? It's like flogging. I think in the case of Poldark, he's a good guy, so he does it with his fists. Oh, I guess that's it. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a man. Uh, so what is the... Can you pitch me, John, the American Poldark right now? Like, God, who's, now who's I'm selling it? Poldark. This yeah. is great. Um, <laughs> who's in it? Who, okay, who have we got in uh, this country who would do TV who's a gorgeous guy in his 40s who your moms want to see him? The problem is it's like, I don't know if it's like sexuality or like a cartoony sexuality. It's like a Hugh Jackman sort of Well, that's of what thing, Outlander you know? is like, too. Outlander is like a romance novel. It's like if uh, if Game of Thrones were like from a lady's point of view, where <laughs> all of the sex is like focused on women's pleasure only, <laughs> which is why it's like a lovely. And then also there's time traveling. Well, that yeah. part's fun. Um, and where would the show take place here? So it would have to be like a beautiful spot where there's also despair and mining. Mm. You know, so if they kept it as mining, we don't have Pennsylvania? mining. Pennsylvania? But it's not on the coast here. We don't have mining on gorgeous coasts here, really. Mm. What Maybe about like the, we have Gulf, the, the Gulf of Mexico? We have Florida. Gold mining? We got oil drilling. I'm think, I'm seeing it. Maybe it's, it's uh, you know, like Galveston. Something like that. Ooh, Galveston. Isn't there like oil wells? Sure. Shipping. You're pitching Dallas. I am pitching Dallas. That is the problem. I, I, Kyle Chandler. There you yes, go. Yes, that's why my mind went straight to Bloodline. It's definitely Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler could 100% sell me on like sensitive rich guy. Right. He could sell you on he cares more about the comfort of those people than his own comfort, yes. except when he wants to thrash them. <laughs> Compared to the other nobles of my time, I'm remarkably soft on the commoners. He is. He is. So I, I haven't had a great sell job on Poldark, but I'm saying I shouldn't I'm have gonna, watched it. It's, it's compelling in its own way, but it's not great. I'm going to watch it. It sounds fantastic. More happens than happens in The Crown, I have to say. What what even happens in The Crown? I liked all your tweets about The Crown. It's all leading up to somebody putting on The Crown. Well, there's a lot of imagery with The Crown throughout. You know, The Crown is physically heavy. I've never really understood, like, people that are obsessed with the royals. Like, even Princess Di, I did not, like, care for her or feel attached to her. Like, people who were like, oh, it's so sad. Like, you know, it's it's sad, but it's also, like, that seems like the most unappealing life to me. Yeah, I don't even think the royals care about themselves. I think the yeah. royals care about Hollywood. Like, that you see, like, the Duke of Windsor character in The Crown is, like showbiz obsessed you know he's doing his feature for look magazine for a few dollars he's like putting on his royal outfit for show you know but like if you told him you could have an all-expense paid trip to hollywood he would have jumped at it well look at prince harry dating an actress from suits yeah they love it i was like is suits really big in england because i've never met anyone who watches suits but oh look at that it's an ad here it comes Which show is Suits? It's <laughs> Suits. Suits is the show that's on before Mr. Robot, and so I would always see. Is it still see, on? Well, yeah. Oh, it's been like season twenty-seven of Suits is starting soon. Like I would always see like the three minutes of Suits that my DVR would pick up before Mr. Robot, and more would happen in those three minutes than in the entire hour of Mr. Robot. It would just be the most intense three minutes. Are they like lawyers? Uh, they're suits. I, I believe yes, they're lawyers. <laughs> They're suits. They're business lawyers, <laughs> businessmen. They're just suits with yeah. no people in them. Is, is they just suits come the to one, life. There's a, show, a couple times a car has pulled over. 
And someone thought that I was an actor. I think an actor from Suits. <laughs> it's this guy named Rick Hoffman, who looks like a slightly bloated version of me. I'll say it. Um, <laughs> and they pulled over excited, and I was not Rick Hoffman. Is that Does that sound like Suits? Is he like the comic relief on Suits? While you're looking that up. I'm looking it up. Aren't I have you, to first aren't I have to you see also what this sort of an like. actor, though? Haven't you played in a, the last three years? Played a I'm judge a hundred times. Yeah, I've now. I just last week played a judge on Baskets, and that's the third show that I've played a judge on. For Baskets, my judge was a little different. My first words when I arrived on set were, "I'm going to keep my performance levels very low today." <laughs> so I feel like if I do anything, I'm going to look like an idiot because Zach isn't doing anything. Well, that's what it makes it great. Well, then I made it great, too. We both did nothing, you guys. Because it's a naturalistic show. Oh, you're going to love it. About clowns. Yes. Yes. I, I'm a big basket. I'm a baskets head. Can we go back? I have a question as to why anyone would be excited. Like, oh, my God, that is the comic relief guy from Suits. Because if somebody's <laughs> Excuse a Suits me, I never fan, do this. <laughs> if someone's a fan of Suits, like, that's what they'll be excited about. And, yeah. And for me, like, in the last, I never acted until a few years ago. And I have to say, like, conversationally or I, when I run, it makes sense if you were recognized that, like, that person cares more that you act than that you write. But even someone I meet who I who knows that I write, they only get excited about acting, really. And I think that it's helped to cure some of my, like, comedy writer's resentment I had my whole life, like, because you're doing funny things, but you're not getting the laugh yourself. Like, a lot of writers have chips on their shoulders. So it's like, to actually get some cheap laughs myself has felt great. Um, they treat you like a baby as an actor, which I love. They, like, do your hair. They fuss over you. They physically move you to set, like, as if you're a child without a thought in your head. <laughs> I love every aspect of it. Have you considered starring in an adaptation of Poldark? <laughs> Look, there, let me just say, there are parts for me in Poldark, but it is not Poldark. <laughs> Do you think you could play a British judge? Absolutely not. <laughs> but what about the wig? Don't you think the wig does all the work for you? The I'm barrister's picturing, I'm picturing wig? I'm John Daly uh, in a wig doing Kroll <laughs> Show, which was sort of funny when Wheels Ontario had a trial and he had a white powdered wig. Um, he pulled it off. I could not. <laughs> and for a while, I was, seat, I was seated roles only, but I have stood a couple times now. Well, do, does the judge stand? No. The judge has stood now. The judge stands to, like, call the court to order. Well, no, you've never seen a judge stand to call a court to order. <laughs> I, I've, had a couple scenes, I've had a couple scenes outside of courtrooms. I'm a real expert now, but I've got a big ego about this. You're basically a legal expert. You could go on CNN to talk about a trial. Like, yeah, you know. I do think a good thing I bring to my acting as a judge is a sense of entitlement as if I belong there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why should I have to go to law school to do this job? I know. I know what's up. Like, I honestly believe I, I could probably do fine. You could be Judge Joe Brown now. You could be like a, a syndicated judge. Afternoon TV judge of some sort. I don't, yeah. Other guys keep getting those keep getting those jobs. There is something funny, by the way, about this, the Valley. We both grew up in the Valley about like the Valley actor. And my mom in the 80s used to meet them at the bar at Stanley's. Yes. Who would be like the 50 year old guy who's just come from a commercial audition as a chairman of the board. But he lacks personal power. So he's like got the suit. 
he gets that part, but he's actually a day player. I was going to say, if you want to see all the character actors in the world, go to the San Fernando Valley, because that is where they all live. I know they're all like they're there between auditions. You know, yeah. I realize it when I get coffee. I realize it when I get lunch. They're just hoping for something to happen. And I love it because it's like the people you see in the background of shows are also just in the background of your life all the time. Like I used to always see Wayne Knight at the grocery store, you know, where you're like, oh, Newman. He's like, he's Newman. You see him, you know, every once in a while, just in the background of life. And then you also have to realize that they're not actually Newman and they're probably... Is he not actually Newman? What proof do I we mean, have that that's you know, not just him? I wouldn't want to be Newman if I were him, but I feel like those people are always excited to be recognized, which is always. maybe why the guy thought that you would be excited to be recognized for being the judge on... Not the judge, the the comedic relief on suits that you're not oh i am i am always excited to be recognized no he would in that case he was excited because he'd seen the guy from suits i'm the time the few times in my life i've been recognized i've been thrilled i'm a big curl show fan and uh, I saw you were also saying that uh, of all the characters on Curl Show that you thought were going to break out and become pop culture phenomenons in their own right, that Oh Hello uh, was the least likely. I don't know if it was the least likely, but it probably it wasn't in my top 10. You know? Who is your top 10? Liz's? Yeah. The, well, and there's ones that I alone liked, too. Like a couple of my candidates wouldn't have been ones that other people liked, but like Based on the feedback that we were getting as we were doing the show, I would say the Liz's possibly, uh, Rich Dicks, Bobby Bottle Service. There's so many that Cesar, come to mind before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, C- Cesar, uh, Wheels Ontario. And couple, in a couple of these cases, it's really two things because Wheels Ontario is Wheels Ontario plus it's Brian LaCroix. Oh, I so love there's a, Brian there's a LaCroix. Few, there's a few characters I saw it happening to first. The only one that like was a real underdog that I would say and Nick's father would say could have broken out that no one else agreed with was Dr. Armand. <laughs> Love Dr. Armand. So it probably makes and that was my favorite character to write, but so it probably makes sense that like oh hello happened before that happened. But a few of the other ones we just assumed that they would skew younger and yet most of the times I've seen that show, the audience is pretty young and it's like a rock show. Like they're really into it. I know a lot of a lot of young oh hello heads. I know some young ladies who who love Gil Faison and George Saint. Oh my god! And I, I mean, I feel like there's a weird identification with them that I have at least, where I'm like, there's just a weird old perverted Jew inside us all that <laughs> it really taps into. Well, and what's amazing about the and the show is very well written. It takes on the concept of theater, which is a great target. It's so you funny. Know? I saw it with, with my friend Tess Lynch, and afterwards she was like, this is the first time in my life I've ever been like genuinely excited to have seen a play. Because it takes on the whole <laughs> idea of seeing a play, which is which is such a funny which is such a funny thing to do. But my favorite part of it is just watching the improv. You know, Mulaney has in his head maybe like a hundred jokes to choose from. He'll pick the funniest one in the moment. He's great at it, but he's like thinking ahead. He's like a writer who's improving, whereas Nick is so fearless. Like in that character, partly because it's such a beta character to Mulaney's character anyway, 
he does not know what he's going to say next. So like watching the look in Nick's eyes where I know that he has no idea what <laughs> his improv is going to be. And then like sometimes he's surprised at what comes out too. I just love watching that so much. When they were on The Bachelor After Show, that was like the high point of television to me. That that, that was allowed to happen. It was so strange though because I felt like they somehow thought that like just appearing there in character was going to win the day. And pretty early on, they realized no one knows who we are. We don't know what we're doing here. What do we do next? Like there was something discordant about it too. It felt extremely chaotic, but I was also, that was what made it exciting. I was just like, how did this, how did ABC and like The Bachelor, which is such a well-coordinated weird show, like allow something out of their control to happen at all? Were they then forced to do a Bachelor after show, like in character, and actually have things to say about the Bachelor? And did yes, they have things they to did. say about the yes. Bachelor? Like, did they? Clearly, Mulaney knows the show better than Kroll does. Right. But yeah, they talked about the Bachelor. Like, I think Nick as Gil like proposed to Lace or yes. something, which is what you would do because she's the crazy cool one. My one contribution to that world, because like in Kroll's show, like we changed a few times what kinds of things we were going to do with them. And like it wasn't too much tuna right away was just that early on, Nick thought part of the appeal of those characters was they had to like eat and drink disgusting things <laughs> in each segment. <laughs> and, and I would like try to cut those moments out. And he would think, no, our, our fans expect it. I'm like, I think your fan is going to be fine if you don't like blend up some tuna and drink it's disgusting <laughs> and so ultimately i did manage to get i was such a grandparent in the sense i did manage to get a lot of the disgusting food out of george and gill's mouths at least they started pranking other people with tuna but they weren't doing quite as many disgusting things themselves yeah there's something about the disgusting food and also the makeup the combination of those two things that is like so disgusting and funny to me I like Gil's clothes. Like, I was just visiting my dad in Sausalito, and my dad gave me a leather jacket that he bought at Saks in 1982 <laughs> that was still sort of shiny, like he hadn't worn it that often. It was like his good leather jacket, I guess. But um, he's shrunk, and it doesn't fit him anymore. He gave it to me. So, like, I immediately texted it to Nick to find out if it was something that Gil would wear. And, like, <laughs> maybe for a fancy event at MoMA, he texted back. But, like, not just for not just for every night. But, like, what he wears normally is a lot of stuff I would wear. I would wear a lot of that stuff, too, I personally believe. And, yeah, I just think it's like anybody who grew up watching Woody Allen movies. It's, like, a very familiar uh, world that is also now poisoned by everything we know about Woody Allen, which makes it perfect. I find now also that when I watch reality TV, it's like impossible for me to watch reality TV now without thinking about Kroll Show, uh, because so many of their weird pronunciations and stuff, I find just like the speech patterns of people on reality shows are so weird in the confessionals, especially. That's been, Kroll Show affected my viewing of reality TV a lot. The other thing that's affected my viewing of reality TV a lot, it's a minor thing, but it's had consequences, is when I heard that for House Hunters, they've chosen the house first and the show's reverse engineered and then they pretend to look at three houses knowing which one they bought already, right? And like, once you know that, you're looking at the show really to see how bad the amateur acting is as they pretend to consider houses. You're sort of looking at it as a, as a real estate hound. But that, of all things, made me start questioning a lot. I have a lot. Yeah, I mean, when I found out that Cheaters was faked, 
That was a big. That was a blow to me as that well. That was a big The Matrix moment for me. Do you ever watch Cheaters? I used to, yeah. With, uh, what was the guy's name? Joey Greco. Joey Greco. Like the episode where Joey Greco gets stabbed. Fake. Finding out that was fake. Oh my God. I was like, I really believed that he got stabbed and... How, you know, did they plan for this all year? Like, in this episode, it's going to be the sweeps episode. You get stabbed. <laughs> Joey Greco actually doesn't know. Like, he's, it's, 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 it's like review. Like, he's just being, like, manipulated into these <laughs> situations. And eventually, he's going to get stabbed. Like, they've known about it all along. I thought Bully Beatdown was real at first. Which one's that? That was the one where the mixed martial art guy would get videos from these people who had bullies. <laughs> and then the bully would go in the ring with a, mix, with a mixed martial artist. And it would be saying, like, the bully would get a certain amount of money for each <laughs> round they survived. But they would just always get the shit beaten out of them by some mixed martial artist. <laughs> and then afterwards, the bully would come out along with the victim. And the host would say... Now that you've been beaten up by a bully, how do you feel about bullying? I know that I've been beaten up by a bully. I don't like it. I'm not going to be a bully anymore. <laughs> I like the idea that there were people who were like, yeah, I've been bullying for about 10 years uh, amateur on an amateur level. I think I'm ready to get in the octagon uh, they with a professional bully. Yeah, they <laughs> always mis misjudge their own, their own talent and how they're going to do in there. But again, is it real? I was told after the fact, not at all. I thought there'd be a locker I could shove him into. That wasn't available. Uh, that, that really cuts down my bag of tricks in a lot of ways. And then the fact that the lessons were instant in each case they're like well now i know not to bully anymore we'll be right back <laughs> to pivot topics to our final our, our fi final westworld yeah this is sad, this is sad. what are we going to talk about on this show Nothing. The long hiatus between uh, Westworlds. We're gonna. You're gonna have to start watching Game of Thrones. Which no, I know I'm never gonna a, watch like, Game of Thrones because I do not want to be in a medieval world. I want to be in a Western world. <laughs> which is why, if I went to Westworld and I was given the choice between Westworld, medieval world, and Roman world, as you are in the original movie, yes, I would obviously choose Westworld. It's obviously the best. I have a feel. There's a chance, depending how it ends, that I might not watch season two of Westworld. Like it can happen fast. Like Twin Peaks, for instance. I was so into until I wasn't. You know. Yeah, because once they solve the mystery, it's like a little, a little deflating. You're like, what? Where do we go now? Well, it's weird. Like the, the no one has taken the lesson from that show, which is when you make the creators of the show solve the mystery and like sort of like on a schedule and like dole out those reveals. Like the, that was the first time they were sort of made to do that. They're like, you have to reveal who did it, and then that show just kind of like founders. Like you have sort of. But it goes how nowhere. mad would people have been if they hadn't figured it out by the end? Like that's if what season, they wanted to do. But though. if season one had been like, oh, we still don't know. Like David Lynch and Mark Frost were like, we want this to never be solved, and it's just the reason you're here in this town, and all kinds of like different shit happens, but like you never find out. I think it would have been doomed either way. Like explaining <laughs> it didn't work, but not explaining it, people would have gotten fed up to. Well, I've been watching it again recently with my boyfriend who had never really watched it before. And he just kept being like, how did this get on television? And also all of the stuff that's not the mystery has like nothing to do with the mystery. So if you think that like the fish and the percolator is somehow right. going to tie into the murder in some way, you are totally wrong. And look, that show would have been murdered on Reddit every week. Ugh. It would have been the worst Reddit in the world to read. It would have been like, I, what about the fish of the percolator? <laughs> like the people were still mad about the Russian like two seasons later on The Sopranos. Like, yeah. People are still mad about that. Yeah, that they didn't tie that one up. So they would. there's so many things in Twin Peaks that have been like just, you know, sources of internet I am mad at Westworld for doing all the things people thought it was going to do. Like I'm which like, things? Just like 
pandering to these theory people that are like, oh, it's going to have multiple right. timelines and this character's name is an anagram of this, like making it just like really just hard enough for like stupid people to feel really smart, which I think is what the Nolan brothers do. Is that why everybody has dumb names? Because they're actually anagram names? Yes, because they're like... stupid names and because naming Anthony Hopkins character Ford is like the most just Oh, is that because glar- of John Ford? No, it's because of fucking Ford Henry automobiles. Ford? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, it could be both. It could be both. It's stupid either way. That's why his character is so anti-Semitic. Making yes, on. making anyone an anagram of anyone else is like, oh, you don't want people to figure out that it's really this person, but you'll make like this one really stupid clue that any person could figure out. It's like a criminal who's compelled to be caught. Yes, it's like the dumbest possible just trail. It's like the of Riddler. breadcrumbs. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't like it when I don't like it when shows cater to those people because they're a vocal they're a vocal minority, you know. Yes, they also totally did something drives me crazy in this last week, which will now be two weeks ago, which is uh, the you know Anthony Hopkins giving a speech about like and now you will die and then like walking off screen to leave a character to kill themselves, where you're like, oh yes, I'm sure they must have gone through with killing themselves because we didn't see it and also it happened off screen. So now they're obviously going to come back next week. Anthony Hopkins walked off. That wasn't the character. You know, it was lunchtime. I mean, he, he does, does not, not stick around for every shot. He does not know he's in the show. I, it does really look sometimes like he just thinks he's at a lovely cafe in Italy looking <laughs> out at a vineyard or something. He has no idea. He w- cares about the wine that he's handed. I kind of wish he would go bigger with it. That's like the <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in some way, I mean, Ed Harris, I don't think is, I, I've liked him in the past sometimes. I think it's a terrible part. It is. Partly. What is he doing? You know, also, he just wants to figure out. They're all doing Batman voice, I realized. Yeah, it's, it, it's ridiculous. But in some ways, I feel like Jeffrey Wright's is the worst performance because it's the most ambitious. Yeah, he's trying and he. He's trying to play a robot who's realizing he was a human who thought he was a robot who was really a whatever it's like he's trying to play like five levels in linear fashion it just consists of a lot of sort of like looking around that's again that's where it's like you can be the best actor in the world and there's no five looks in a row that i want to see of realization no or confusion or whatever you're playing whatever he's playing it is it is yeah i totally agree who do you think is doing well i think uh how do you say her name? Thandy Newton? Had- I think it's Tandy. Tandy. It's Tandy I think yeah. it's like I, Jessica Tandy. I think she's doing well. She's great. Like she's not my favorite actress, but there's something about her performance that I do think has had integrity along well, the way. Well, I also love her, and I also think of her as somebody who's gotten really knocked around by, like, Hollywood, because she has talked about that, about just, like, casting couch stuff right. and, like, you know, racism and... She's in some some good movies. She's in like in a Mission Impossible, I think. She's done like indies she's in, yeah, and she's big in the movies. She's John Woo Mission Impossible, which yeah. is the least good one. It's too bad she got stuck with that one. Yeah, Isn't she's that? really good. Uh, she's in a movie with Tupac. She's uh, I've always liked her, so I'm like, this is a good role for her. And also, it's funny though, because like uh, my dad binge watched Westworld the other day, and he was kind of like, oh, you know, but all the care, all the women except for Evan Rachel Wood are, are whores. And I always find myself defending this because my mom also said she doesn't like Western stuff and that she doesn't care about McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which I couldn't believe because uh, you know, because Julie Christie's a whore, and I was like, she is not. She's a madam. Yeah, she's the Excuse boss of me. all the whores. It's totally different. She has a job. That's true. 
And I feel strongly about that because I'm like, well, what what else do you want to do? If it's you're... like, is Henry Winkler a whore in Night Shift? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> He's king whore. <laughs> so, and I, I like the guy who plays the robot who likes... Who, who's the other woman, the romantic lead? What's her name? Evan Rachel Wood. Okay. So the, the robot who likes Dolores. Her, yeah, the robot who likes Dolores, who was served with Ed Harris for a while. Which robot? Oh, the guy that he was walking around with the noose around his Yeah, head. yeah. I could... You know what? I've watched, like, some of these twice in a row, and, like, I still couldn't tell you what that guy's significance was. Was he just... He knew something about the maze? No, but no. I mean the one who... I mean the one who, in the first episode, you think he's a person at first. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, James uh, Marsden. Uh, James Marsden. Yeah, Okay, yeah. that's who I mean. I, I like him in this. I, I like he's, him in this. He's good, and, and he's... I, I don't like the guy who's was the good guy who's turning bad. Jimmy who's, Simpson. Okay, yeah. I don't like him who's like chivalrous with robots. Yes. Mike Majeau from Zodiac is how I think of him only. The guy who survives the Zodiac attack yeah. in the movie Zodiac. He's the guy from House of Cards with the guinea pig. I like him as an actor, but I feel like this is not like his, his great role. It's a ridiculous part. His ridiculous. motivations are always well, insane. so is the other guy that he's with, the Ben Barnes character. Oh. I'm just like, when they explained it, when they were like, oh, it's a bachelor trip and we're co-workers, right. but we hate each other. I was like, so you're going on like a month long bachelor trip to Westworld together, but you're not friends. Like, And the thing that infuriated him the most was when the guy said uh, something like the most exciting moment of your life was when you were told that you were being made executive VP or something, or that will be the most exciting moment of your life for it ever. And he went nuts. Yeah. Whereas some guys just be like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I was like, why aren't there like 50 well, more people on this trip with them? Like, And ever so like Ed Harris, I feel like he's got this theme that's happened a couple times where he's interrupted about real world business. He's like, don't bring me business. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, the CEO of Carvel ice cream here in this world. <laughs> like, can you imagine being the poor, the poor guy at Carvel who's like told to bring him some important papers or no, like some middle manager who like doesn't want to get in trouble. It's like thinks they could get in trouble either way. It's like, okay, better bring it to Ed Harris down and sign it just, just in case. And like, you're the guy who goes there and then Ed Harris gets furious, but you know, the other person saying it has to be signed. The undercover boss aspect, I really want to know what the company is because I want it to be something like Jolly oh. Green Giant or something like that. That's just I like, like, so like, I like the idea looking. that it's Carvel and it's like the cookie purse fortune <laughs> is paying for Westworld. I'm sorry, we have to look at these schematics of the new cookie puss. Get out of here! There's just a Take cookie your... puss in the center of the maze. <laughs> oh my god. It's also leading up to like everyone's heading to the same place and they're doing enough storytelling so I know oh, everyone has a good reason to be meeting up that like not such good storytelling that I know what the reason is or care about it or remember. It's just, and they're yeah. all going to meet up at the entrance to the maze or wherever <laughs> we're going, you know? Because it's a cozy catastrophe yeah. and everybody's yeah. got to end up in a stagecoach together at the end to fight the zombie Native Americans that they didn't give any characterization to or plot lines. Look, there's six seasons ahead. Lots of time That's what, what to are they embroider that do? world. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. All right, I hope to talk uh, with you about growing up in Los Angeles sometime. Yeah, we'll have you back, absolutely. I'd love it. I hope this podcast with me is a big hit, you it, guys. It, it will. It'll, it'll spawn six seasons. It's going to be, a movie. yeah. All of the unanswered questions from this podcast will be answered in a future podcast. Who okay. killed the cab driver? We'll find out. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, Kasia Mihailovic, and James T. Green for the MTV Podcast Network. 
with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.